All right, the Minnesota Golden Gophers played yesterday on Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. Uh, they took it on the chin, though. Illinois fighting the Illini were, uh, were not messing around. And uh, it was, you know, I don't want to say it's, it, it wasn't a shock to see them lose. Um, clearly, Illinois went on a run there to start that second half that really controlled the, uh, the basketball game. And I think for some Gopher fans, a little bit of a bummer coming back to the barn after uh, just fresh off of that upset victory over Ohio State last, uh, last Thursday. But joining us now on the John Schuster Coal Banker Hotline is Andy Greeter from the, uh, the St. Paul Pioneer Press, and he's joining us here on the Lake Show. First off, Andy, it's been, uh, it's been a while since you've been on the show, man. How you been? I'm doing great. How are you, Lake? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing good. Um, last night, though, the uh, <laughs> man, Illinois, uh, they ended up uh, opening things up there in that second half to uh, go on to a 78-60 to blowout victory over the, uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers before at least a half there. It looked like the Gophers were all about the fight. Yeah, for sure. For a, what looked like it was going to be a four-straight game, they were going to be competitive in a Big Ten game. Like you mentioned, the Ohio State win, which was them kind of getting over the hump, but you know, they went to overtime against Nebraska and they pushed Wisconsin at the Kohl Center. Uh, so it looked like you know they kind of figured things out and were like last year's team, able to be plucky and, and smart and make hustle plays and, and be in ball games. And then, like you talked about, things went south in a hurry. I know you're a, a basketball aficionado, and uh, I'm sure you remember the the flying Illini with Nick Anderson and Kendall Gill and those guys. Absolutely. Uh, I snuck into the barn to watch those games. Awesome. Well, I, I think last night they were the driving Illini. They were just able to get to the basket left and right with dribble drives against the Gophers pretty much at will. And defensively, uh, the Gophers were kind of a, you know the green light Gophers. It was not a, a lot of uh, contesting going on uh, in that second half. They had a 12-0 run. I think they had like a 13-2 run later. I think they were down 25 at one point. And, and uh, you know, Dawson Garcia called it a, a flatlining uh, at, at a point in the, in the in the second half there. So it was – it got ugly in a hurry. Yeah. Um, what do you make of – and this is not about last night or yesterday, but just throughout the season. What do you make of, um, of Jamison Battle's year? Um, I, last year, without question, he was their stud. He was the guy. He was he played out of his mind. He was he was really really good performer. Uh, this year, it's been um, it's been very consistent. It started slow, and I know you know injuries and all that stuff play a factor in all of that. But what do you, what do you make of his game at this particular point? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, he, he broke his foot to start preseason camp and missed the first handful of games, and and he was trying to get acclimated into his new role, playing off of Dawson Garcia. Uh, you know, he's finding himself in more difficult matchups. He's finding himself, instead of against an opposing team's three or four, he's, you know, more often than not finding him against a, a two or a three. So he's had a quicker uh, defender on him, which is more difficult for him to get his shots up. I think he's able to get to his spots. I think you saw that, especially in the first, you know, 22 minutes last night, that he's able, when he's able to get to his spots, he can still knock them down. I think it's been challenging for him to get to those spots at times. I think, you know, they the reason that the Gophers struggled as much as they did, besides the defensive issues and the rebounding issues and the missed free throws, was just they weren't able to make their shots. And I, I don't feel like this team 
has a wherewithal uh, either to to find the right shots at the right moments, to get the ball in their playmakers' hands, to be able to free up their their shot makers to to get to the spots that they need to, and and that's why these lulls can be so backbreaking for this team because it doesn't seem like there's light at the end of the tunnel on some possessions. It just seems like you know they're kind of aimless in in the way that they kind of operate at times. And and Dawson and Jameson need to command the ball. They need to be more alpha-type players. And I understand that you know, it's hard to do that in college basketball at times, but uh, we can't treat them like NBA players. But at the same time, you need your big guys to step up in big moments, especially when the game's on the line. Yeah, we're talking to Andy Greeter from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. He covers uh, Minnesota United Soccer and Gopher Athletics here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830-WCCO. All right, so... I got to ask you about the the guy that's been getting a lot of attention this year, the guy that was highly recruited. Um, he ended up in Marquette. Then he goes from Marquette to North Carolina and now comes back home. Dawson Garcia. I, I want your honest assessment of his game because I have to be honest with you, Andy, and the listening audience. Until the Ohio State game, I just didn't see it. Like I kept, I kept looking, and I'm like, man – I know he's got a reputation. I know he's much ballyhooed. No, I was like, I don't, I just don't, I don't see where the game is. And then the Ohio State game happened, and I was like, okay, all right, that, that's what I'm expecting. Like he was, he had some dog in him, and he he was aggressive, yeah. and he like he took over the basketball game. Missed a few free throws down the stretch. I was a little bit concerned about, but at the end of the day, I thought that that was kind of a coming out party for him. Um, I didn't see much of yesterday's game, but I do see that he had 17 points, six rebounds, four assists, um, and shot it decently. Uh, but your, your thoughts on just him getting acclimated to, uh, I guess, the Big Ten? Yeah, um, I think there's a similar arc uh, to Jamison Battle. You know, he came in and uh, was, unlike uh, Jamison, healthy at the start, but then he had a really bad flu bug, and Ben Johnson said that he lost 20 pounds mid-season and was trying to play through it. And I think his performances were suffering as he was trying to play through it. And, I mean, when you look at Dawson Garcia, he's 6'11", but he's pretty skinny. So to lose 20 pounds is going to be pretty substantial for a guy like that. Well, he's got you know most of that weight back now, and I think you're starting to see a difference in what he's able to do. He had a double-double uh, against uh, Nebraska, uh, as they were kind of on their upswing uh, last week, and he, like you mentioned, the Ohio State game, he was he was the go-to guy last year or last night. He was also kind of that that number one. Uh, but you know, it's it's been interesting for him because he's he hasn't been in this role before in college basketball. At Marquette, he was you know kind of a, a freshman, kind of learning the ropes, not asked to be the number one guy. North Carolina, obviously, he was there for. Half the year, North Carolina was stacked and made it to the to the title game. So he's now asked for the first time to be a number one or number two guy. And Ben Johnson equated it to being a quarterback and having three different offensive coordinators in three years. And you can even go further. It's obviously three different head coaches in three years. So he, he's had constant change, and I think he's starting to play better. I think he's being more assertive. I think he's understanding that his bread is buttered inside and works his way out from there. Uh, I think he needs to be aggressive. I think he needs to get downhill. I think he needs to be in the post more. Uh, he can obviously stretch defenses and, and hit a three occasionally, 
but he's got to know that his role, especially early in possessions, needs to be to establish something down low. Um, so he's trying to figure that out. And like I mentioned, had a really nasty flu bug midseason. And, and yeah, I think what, what's disappointing about last night is you, you started to see the fact that, like I said, that they were competitive, that they were in games. as one possession against Wisconsin, one possession against Nebraska. You went on the road against Ohio State team that's you know, 25 in the net ranking. So a really quality win there. And then to see them fall apart like they did last night, I think is the discouraging thing because I think people will be accepting of the fact that they're competitive and can find ways to win games. When you don't show up for the majority of the second half, I think that's when people get disgruntled. Yeah. All right, final thing, and then we'll let you go here, Andy. <laughs> I don't know what to expect uh, in the Big Ten season out of the Gophers. I really don't. I, I just I, I look at the backcourt and the lack of talent there. I also look at the schedule and see that they face Purdue coming up here um, in a couple of days. And after that, you're at Michigan, then Indiana. Like the Big Ten is just <laughs> – it's a monster as it always is. But uh, what do you think is best-case scenario for the Gophers? Yeah, and then you, you look at, at other games where you think, okay, that these would be likely wins. Northwestern, Nebraska, the, those teams are better. The, the floor is raised. Uh, and the and the Gophers aren't along with it. They're in the basement again. So it's really difficult to see where they're able to to scratch out a few wins. You know, they were one and four uh, going into the uh, Illinois game, and that was the pace they were on last year. So they're kind of behind the pace here in this next stretch before they get to the halfway mark. It's going to be to be very very difficult for them to be able to find you know, more wins than they had last year. It's going to be difficult for them to get to four wins, I think, just just given how erratic this team has been, to, given how they don't, you know, make free throws. The fact that they get beat on the glasses as poorly as they do, the fact that, you know, you like, there's one thing with, with Talon Cooper where in the first game of the year, he was chirping at somebody in, you know, a non-conference game and the Gophers were up by 20. And I asked him about it and I was like, what were you doing there? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm not going to back down from anybody. And it kind of showed me like, oh, damn, this guy is, is a guy that's going to put the team on his back at times. And I think he's played well, but he hasn't been the guy that grabs a, a teammate by the jersey and says, what the heck's going on here? And I think that's a bit of a problem. I, I think they've got a few leaders, but I don't see them having a guy that really, like I said, grabs them by the shirt collar and, and gives them something to – to you know, motivate them or, or get after them in a certain way. Um, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, Torres Samuels, the off guard. He was on uh, Torrance uh, Shannon Jr., uh, who looks like an NBA player. He is chiseled. He's long. He's you know one of the leading scorers in the Big Ten for a reason. And Torres Samuels uh, does not look that part at all. And that was the main matchup for a lot of the game last night. So again, like last year, when you don't have the horses. Uh, it can be difficult in the Big Ten, and I forecast it to be the way it was last night and, and kind of the up-and-down nature. Uh, and they also need their freshmen to, to get better in a hurry and to continually make smarter plays. There were times last night where the freshmen just made a boneheaded play or uh, took a bad shot or got beat back door, and it's just those things in the Big Ten are going to kill you. Yep. Hey, Andy, always a pleasure to have you on the show, my man. Yeah, appreciate it, Lake. Take care, man. All right, that's Andy Greeter from the St. Paul Pioneer Press joining us here on The Lake Show. We'll take a break, come back, we'll get to a scoreboard. That's next on The Lake Show. All right, nice catching up with Andy Greeter. 
but I don't want to waste any time right now. We got action. My favorite college basketball team is in action. Favorite NHL team is in action. So let's get to a scoreboard. All right, let's get to it, H. Lake. Let's go ahead and start on the ice as the Minnesota Wild right now getting thoroughly outshot 18-7. to But Connor DeWar with a goal. Seven minutes left to go in the second period. And the Wild and the Capitals are tied at two in the nation's capital. Let's uh, go. Let's go, Wild. Yeah, Connor got his sixth. Jared Spurgeon uh, has six as well. And uh, surprisingly, out of the uh, two... Washington goals. Alexander Ovechkin does not have a goal tonight. And uh, let's keep him off the... He can't score every night. He could, because he's Alexander Ovechkin. You know what? He could also play hockey every night, too. Hey, this is the other thing, though, that's that's probably going to end up being a jinx. Uh, No. He'll he'll probably score now that you brought Mm -hmm. it up. Well, you just need to talk some smack. Because remember, wasn't it like last week you talked smack and all of a sudden the Wild were like... They just went on fire. Yeah, I think they I don't want to talk smack for, on his behalf. No, talk smack to the Wild because oh. they're tied at two. But they're not losing, so maybe... Yeah, they're not losing, to. yeah. Okay. Well, the uh, Canadians are beating the Jets 2-1 to one halfway through the second period there. Seven minutes left to go in the second as well. The Flyers and the Ducks tied at one. Panthers doubling up the Leafs. Four to two in Toronto. Eight and a half minutes left to go in the second period. Blue Jackets and Predators are scoreless halfway through the first. Uh, later on tonight, Chicago hosting Buffalo. The Arizona Coyotes are hosting Detroit, and the Kraken are in Edmonton taking on Connor McDavid and the Oilers. The Kraken. The Kraken. Well, let's get Kraken to the NBA right now. H Lake. Minute and a half left to go in the first half in Milwaukee. The Toronto Raptors, they've got 20 from Fred Van Fleet. They are leading the Milwaukee Bucks 70-62. to 62. Uh, Drew Holiday, really good first quarter right now. He's got 19 in the game. And the Bucks right now playing pretty good ball at home there, 17-5 at home, 28-16 overall. The Nets, uh, Kyrie Irving was a late scratch in that game. Hmm. So the San Antonio Spurs right now, they are up on the Nets in San Antonio 23-11. In uh, that one, uh, Jakob Podol with uh, eight points for San Antonio. Nuggets are hosting the Blazers later on in the late night. Tonight is going to be the Clippers hosting the 76ers. That should be a fun one. And, of course, uh, you'd mentioned some college basketball on tap. You'd mentioned your Kansas Jayhawks. They are the second-ranked team in the nation. They are in Manhattan in the Little Apple, taking on the K-State Wildcats. The 13th-ranked Wildcats right now a 52-46 lead over the Jayhawks. And uh, they're about 14 minutes, just under 14 minutes left to go in the second half. Come on, Kansas. Come on, KU. Let's let's keep it going. We, it's a rivalry game, too. Let's go. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Of course, the one team that KU is behind in the top 25, the Houston Cougars. Right now, they are leading Tulane 53. Yeah, but they're not in the Big 12, so I ain't worried about them. Okay, well, you might have, you <laughs> might have to meet them in the tourney. Who knows? Realign, hey, hey. Re- realignment, they might be in like the Big North. Hey, we'll, the s- we'll see them when we get there. Okay. Who wears the crown? Heavy as the king. Let's uh, go. Let's okay. go. All right. I, I got gotcha. you. Well, uh, I will mention a couple Let's of more scores here. Let's go with the three-point shot, baby. Seventh-ranked Texas. Sorry, up no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> By all means, we can make this a uh, 
We can just make this the KU scoreboard. <laughs> we can. I won't mention that Texas is up in Iowa mind. State by three. Yeah, I bet you wouldn't. Uh, Mississippi State and Tennessee are tied at 23. Later on, uh, Bam and Vandy, Clemson and Wake Forest, and Baylor and Texas Tech. Nah, that's what we got going on. All right, that's going to wrap up the scoreboard for this evening. Coming up next, though, we've got around the NFL. And for one, Christopher Tubbs, he's baited the Vikings edition. We do that next. All right, welcome back to the Lake Show. As you know, on Tuesdays, Thursdays at 7.30, we get to around the NFL. And this is the Vikings edition, even though the Vikings are done. The NFL season's not over. No, and uh, we'll do a playoff edition. Uh, we'll play on Thursday, so we'll do some version of it coming up on Friday. Friday? Yeah, but uh, let's go ahead and get to this one because, I mean, there's still there's a ton of questions about the Vikings. So let's go ahead and kick it around. Was this season a success? Yes or no? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes, it was. This season was a success. I don't think that there's anybody out there that can look at what KOC did in his first year as head coach um, and think that this team was not successful. Absolutely they were. They won the division. Everybody thought that it was the Packers' division to win or to lose. I got to be honest, man. I, I just didn't see this team playing at this particular level. I didn't. 13 yeah. wins, four losses, close games. Remember last year, the whole MO was they lost close They lost games. all those close games, yeah. This year, it was you win close games. So, without a without a doubt, mm-hmm. th- this, was, this was an absolutely successful season. And specifically, when you talk about looking at Justin Jefferson and the type of year that he had, oof. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, I think, just catapulted him himself to a completely another level. No way, and I know that Matthew Collar mentioned it, and I thought it was actually a really good point that you do it after you talk to the media so you don't have to address it. There's no way Ed Donatell comes back next year, right? I mean, like, no chance. I, I don't want to say no chance. Uh, what percentage would you give it right now, just based on gut? Based on gut? Based on your gut feeling right now. 50-50. Ooh. I think, I, it, which is higher than most people would probably think yeah. or say, but this is what I'm going with. Okay. All right, I'm going to throw these names out at you because everybody's talking about them. You just tell me, are they back, you know, whether it's a restructure, keep same contract terms, whatever. Are they back, yes or no? Dalvin Cook. No. Adam Thielen. That's a tough one. Um, I think they got to work a lower number for him. I, I just think that they have to. They're, they're, they're in a tough spot because his dead cap money is just horrible. Horrible. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes because I think he, he makes it work for the team. Okay. Eric Kendricks. No. Harrison Smith. No. Harrison Smith is another one like Adam Thielen. Like, that's a very tricky contract situation. But I don't think it's as tricky. It's as tricky as Adam Thielen's 
But there's not the Minnesota connection there. Yeah, I, the the Adam Thielen one, I think, is going to be the one that's going to hit people in the fields. If it indeed happens. Okay. Daniil Hunter. Is he back? I don't know that you can get a first-rounder for him at this point. I say yes, he is. Okay. And Zadarius Smith. I don't... What is it? What? what why... You asked me about this yesterday. What is it about Zadarius Smith where you think he's not coming back? I just, I, I just, I get the sense that people feel like it's just going to be real easy to move on from Zadarius Smith, and I think people look at the like the the cap and the amount of money that he signed for last year and just think that it's it's going to be one of these easy things that you can just okay, well, he's another big time contract that you can get off the books. I mean, the way that you look at it. You could say that he's going to go ahead and make, what is this, 9.4? Is that 9.4? Is that how much he's going to make? No, it's more than that. Oh, wow. So base salary, 9.4. Signing bonus is 1.6. The roster bonus is 3, uh, 3 million. Um yeah, I I look at his money like from a dead cap situation. Yeah. His money's not massive. It's it's three point three million dollars, uh, but that's a big cap hit. Still. Yeah, it, it. I mean, that's for, that's for next year. Um, maybe they walk away from it. Yeah, maybe they do. Maybe this was. You know, I I still don't believe that that three four. I don't believe that the way that they use these guys was the best way. Mm. With, to use Zadarius and Hunter. I don't think that this was the best way to really get the most out of the sort of players that they are. So, Kirk Cousins, he's the lightning rod. Great year. I, I think all things considered, a really good year. Now, the question is, with that salary, and he's 34, going to be 35, we see quarterbacks that are productive into their you know late 30s but should the Vikings start looking beyond Kirk Cousins and start looking at a replacement? Absolutely. They've already done that before. It's just it was a different regime. Mm-hmm. Kellen Mond was drafted to possibly be the heir apparent to Kirk Cousins. So they've already done this before. And so now they have to go ahead and do it again. And I'm all for it. So at the, at the end of the day, yes, they, ha- they have to. Kirk is getting up there. And quite frankly, the the best thing about Kirk Cousins has been his durability, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this is the deal. We saw the shots he took this year. You can't keep taking shots after shots after shot after shot every single year and think you're going to be able to hold up. It catches up to you at some point. Yeah, there were a lot of positives that came out of this Viking season. And I think the fact that Kirk Cousins was able to stay healthy behind a, a makeshift offensive line that played better. But yeah, it, it, you saw that that's one thing you could depend on with Kirk Cousins was the fact that he was going to be there week in and week out. Yep. Okay, now, crazy, I just got to thinking because, you know, when I think, I kind of think absurd thoughts. Last year there was somebody that was drafted by another team to be the franchise quarterback. Didn't work out. No. No. No chance that the Minnesota Vikings could look to bring Trey Lance home. Uh, Why would you? Why not? I mean, 
He's had a couple of surgeries. Yep. Yet Brock Purdy is right now, I mean, he threw for 330-plus yards yep. in that game against Seattle. I mean, right now... It's Brock it, Purdy and Trey Lance out in San Francisco. And the free agent walking Jimmy out Garoppolo, the door is Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. Like, if you're the Niners, you don't have to do anything. You mm-hmm. could. But if you're the Vikings, like, you don't know what Trey Lance has. But he's a young guy, rookie contract, if you're looking for... Because the Vikings, this this pocket quarterback, we're seeing that sort of quarterback is not going to play in the NFL anymore. You need somebody that's going to be a little mobile, somebody that's going to be able to make plays outside the pocket. i got to be honest with you, man. I, I'm not as high on Trey Lance as everybody else is. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I'm not saying... I'm, I'm rooting for him. Like, he's one of us. Yeah. But I haven't seen it. Now, we know that the sample size... Isn't much, but he's got injuries that you should be concerned about. And I just, yeah, I, I mean, what are you giving up to get Trey Lance? Well, and that's the thing. But I'm saying, if you, no, no, I'm not saying about just anybody. I'm talking about for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. They got four picks. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the conundrum here. But I'm thinking if you, if you want to go out and look for a quarterback of the future. I mean, Brock Purdy goes on this run. All of a sudden, maybe the Niners dangle Trey Lance out there. So you know what? This kid might be available. First round pick last year. I, I I think for San Francisco, I think you have to look at it. I mean, you if Brock Purdy somehow continues this crazy run for them, being Mr. Irrelevant, I just feel like that makes it less likely that Trey Lance ends up being that guy there. Why? They're both not getting highly compensated. They're both on rookie contracts. So what does it bother them? Why would you go away from a guy that is winning you these games, that is having the success in the postseason? No, I'm not saying that. Even if it was Trey mm-hmm. being the backup or being or, or both of them being on the – what I'm saying is, is from a financial perspective, the 49ers don't have to do anything. They're in, they're in an advantageous spot. Oh, they are. You you got two from a financial. Perspective. Yeah, you, you got two yeah. guys on a rookie contract. Yeah, what I'm saying. I mean, if this guy, if it's going to turn into Jordan Love, where he's just going to sit there, I don't know. I mean, you know, why not kick the tires? All right, and we're talking about money and the money that the Vikings have to save. Justin Jefferson's got one more year on his rookie deal. Do the Vikings make Justin Jefferson the highest paid wide receiver ever this offseason? Come on, man. This is a clown question. What did I tell you last year after the Super Bowl? I mean, they, they don't have to. They, you don't have to do it this offseason. They're giving him his damn contract now. And he's going to be the highest paid wide receiver in the history of the league. I said that last year. I've said it all season long. He's breaking the bank. He might slip doing the gritty around all those hundreds. Man, he better not. I hate when he like, fakes the... And I know it's part of the bit, like grabbing the hamstring. I'm like, dude, don't do that. Because one of these times, you're going to pull your hamstring and everybody's going to think that you're just joking. It's going to be serious. I hate that. I don't like that. Don't... That sounded funny when you said it. Don't hurt us like don't that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That ain't cool. <laughs> Come on, JJ. Don't do that, man. Don't oh, do that. Man. Not cool. All right, it's going to wrap up around the NFL headlines. That's next year on The Lake Show. And don't forget, we're going to be giving away 
very shortly. Four packet passes to Twins Fest signature Saturday at Target Field, Saturday, January the 28th. It's going to be awesome. Return of autographs station, Twins players, alumni, interactive games, Q&A sessions. When you hear the uh, Win Twins song and sounder, be the fifth caller to 651-461-9226. But until then, we got headlines. All right, let's get to it, H. Lake. And uh, as we had uh, heard before, that's right. She's coming to the X, legendary artist Madonna's the latest monumental name to announce a tour stop through the Twin Cities. Now, the best-selling female artist of all time announced with a tour uh, starring uh, Diplo, Amy Schumer, Lil Wayne, and many others. Sounds like it's not safe for work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to kind of buzz through that. Really? Yeah. The Celebration Tour is going to hit the X on Sunday, July 30th. It's part of a 35-city international tour for the singer. According to the press release, she's going to highlight four decades of music in New York City where her career started. Uh, she says her set list should be expansive. Tickets go on sale Friday, January 27th, can be purchased at Madonna.com slash tour. We're, Look, we're getting spoiled. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Madonna. I wouldn't mind seeing yeah, Madonna. So I'm yeah, I mean in. I'm 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 in. You're intrigued? Okay. I'm intrigued by it. Yeah. I I mean you think about what we've got. We were supposed to have the Foo Fighters before the unfortunate passing of Taylor Hawkins. Uh we got Springsteen, we've got the Chili Peppers, we've got Billy Joel, Stevie Nicks. But unfortunately Rage had to be canceled. Yeah, Rage had to be canceled. never never rescheduled, did they? Like, no, they because Nicks. the guys are injured. Yeah. It's just Hopefully, they'll be back on tour, and sometime they can make up some of those. A 19-year-old Florida woman is facing a second-degree murder charge in the death of her boyfriend who lost his life when the couple botched a burglary they were attempting to commit. The charge stems from a January 11th incident in which Kaylee Grigsby Lynam and Devin Strickland broke into a Daytona Beach residence to burglarize it, according to police. The target was Lynam's ex-boyfriend, and the plan was to take $1,000 she knew he had. Now, once inside the home, Strickland got into an argument with the ex-boyfriend, pulled out a gun, police said. He fired multiple shots at the ex-boyfriend, who was saved by a cell phone in his pocket that stopped the bullet. Now, the, ex -bo yeah, the ex-boyfriend then pulled out a knife and stabbed Strickland. Lanham and uh, Strickland fled the scene but were tracked down by police a short distance away. Strickland was then taken to a hospital where he passed away on Monday. Lynam was arrested and charged with second-degree felony murder. Mm. Now, authorities have not commented on what led them to charge her with murder. Uh, the the ex-boyfriend is not expected to face charges. He should. This was a case of self-defense. And uh, they said that the, uh, the ex-boyfriend completely justified in killing Devin Strickland. Absolutely. I agree. Like, the person shot him. Yeah. And luckily for him, the cell phone saved his life. Man, that's that's crazy, bro. That's Some, crazy. It sounds like something you'd hear in a movie. Hey, a four-year-old tweet from Elon Musk has the Tesla CEO back in court starting next Tuesday. Musk, Tesla, and other Tesla directors are facing a shareholder lawsuit over his now infamous 2018 tweet in which he said he was thinking about taking Tesla private at a price of $420 a share. Now, if he had ended the tweet right there, there wouldn't be coverage of it or the lawsuit but he concluded it with two words that have resulted in Musk having to pay millions of dollars in fines and legal fees. It said funding secured. Well, it turned out that he had spoken to executives of the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, but the money he would need to make Tesla, uh, to take Tesla private, 
The funding was anything but secured. It's the latest court case involving him. He's still awaiting a decision in a bench trial that separate shareholder case held in Delaware. It's just, it's, it's a mess, man. Like Elon Musk. He is a mess. He seems for a smart guy. He's just doesn't make very good business decisions. And well, who fu- said he's a smart guy? I, I mean, you know, that's. The, no, he said he was a smart guy, he said he was and the a, world thought that he was a smart guy because he's affiliated with all this stuff because he's got all this money. He squeezed people out of Tesla, and all of a sudden he's like, I'm the one that invented Tesla. No, you uh, were not. And a uh, public memorial has been planned at Graceland for Lisa Marie Presley. Um, a statement that the memorial's open to the general public will be held 9 a.m. January 22nd, which is on a Sunday at the front lawn of Graceland in memphis and uh r.i.p to lisa marie presley absolutely gonna be uh buried alongside her son benjamin all right uh, coming up next to kick off the final hour why are there so many vehicles with expired tabs on the roads that was an article in the star tribune we'll get to it next here on the lake show